Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Canada's top energy officials at Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government is open to accelerating a liquefied natural gas project that could start supplying Europe in as soon as three years. Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson said last week the fastest way to help our European friends would be for Spain's uh, Repsol to convert an existing LNG import facility in New Brunswick on Canada's Atlantic coast into an import or export terminal. Now, Wilkinson said the issue of European energy security and moving off Russian oil and gas is still top of mind for his G7 colleagues. Yet the obvious problem for Canada, a major natural gas producer, is that it lacks an export terminal on its east coast. Joining us now to, t- to talk about Canada's energy and the challenges of moving our product to market is Dan Mateg. He is president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Dan, thank you for joining us. Great to be here, Jess. Thank you. Thanks for having me this afternoon. Yeah, I, I was reading uh, uh, about uh, Minister Wilkins's comment, and I and I, I said I laughed uh, when I first read the, this article on this particular issue in regards to building an LNG facility on uh, our uh, our east coast. I guess first and foremost, how believable is this in your mind? Because we are still struggling to get a west coast LNG facility built after many, 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 many years. Well. <laughs> That East Coast terminal is, in fact, a receiving ter- terminal. It brings in natural gas. Uh, gas It goes through a process of gasification, and then it sends it to customers in the maritime, to a lesser extent, Maine, uh, and, of course, uh, as far away as uh, Nova Scotia. Now, we, we do have plenty of natural gas in this country, but uh, we don't have a pipeline that gets natural gas to the, uh, to the East Coast. So <laughs> your laugh was doubled by my guffaw. <laughs> I had a, a chuckle when I saw that. I thought, this is the guy who's uh, really big on telling us when Quebec says they, there's no social, uh, you know, there's no social consent, no social, uh, what do they call it, approval? Or license. Social, license. That? License. Social license. License. There you go. <laughs> For natural gas. And we lost the Saguenay project there. Uh, you kind of have to wonder, well, what are you really proposing? <laughs> Import from the United States and re-export with an LG facility to Europe. Uh, wouldn't it just be better to go through the United States, have them do the work, and then send it directly to Europe rather than, you know, troubling Canada uh, for something it doesn't have? Oh, by the way, we have a lot of natural gas, a lot more than the United States does. Uh, but uh, as you see in the West Coast and we see here in the East and the Center, um, it's impossible to get anything built. So I, I think it's uh, it's beyond laughable. It's actually very tragic that you have a minister making those kind of uh, you know those kind of comments that he knows full well uh, his government opposes, or at least did oppose until Europe decided maybe uh, natural gas is a transition fuel uh, to their wonderful green economy. That'll be the one that brought Europe to its knees and couldn't make Vladimir Putin happier. In the, now, for our listeners, uh, I think most of them would know that in British Columbia, we are building this country's first, uh, or, or shouldn't be first, there was one a few years ago, but one, certainly the largest, the LNG Canada project, $42 billion, the largest private sector investment in the history of this country. But even there, 
there's a project that took five years to get to a yes, uh, and that's just a company has to spend a lot of money just to do all the due diligence that's required to, to build that line and to get buy-in from uh, First Nations, non-First Nations communities, uh, deal with government. It took five years to get to a yes in regards to the company saying, we'll spend the $42 billion that is required. But even now, as they are building that pipeline to build this massive LNG facility on the West Coast, there was significant vandalism and violence on the pipeline uh, that the RCMP are now investigating. I would, I would not hesitate, I wouldn't hesitate to call it a, an act of uh, domestic terrorism, quite frankly. Uh, those are my words, not theirs, but certainly, uh, and this is a project that's approved. This is not some tin pot dictatorship somewhere. This is a democratic country that's been approved, where this project's been approved and you're seeing vandalism violence along the pipeline. Uh, my question to you, Dan, is with what's happening in Ukraine and the broader conversation of European uh, uh, energy security, do you think we're seeing a cultural and political change in mindset where some of these projects may now get approved or approved faster because of what's happened in this world? Has this been a sea change what we've been witnessing the last three months? Oh, I think there's been a change. I just don't think that the current uh, political I, leadership in this country, uh, federal, provincial, and municipal, is willing to admit the errors of their ways, having gone along the idea that uh, we could make these wonderful transitions and forego natural gas and oil um, products made with fossil fuels. I mean, the anti-fossil fuel uh, mentality and ideology in the country has been so deeply entrenched that it's almost impossible to pull back. But I think a combination of realpolitik, what Europe, what's happening to Europe, um, you know, the price of energy, uh, the fact that there is no replacement. Uh, you know, when you have even those who are really big on metaphors for cleaner energy, the EV producers saying we can't keep up. More importantly, we need a lot more oil to process to make your EVs possible. I think the worm has, uh, has, has turned. And I, I suspect that what's going to happen here, Jazz, is a, a sense of political upheaval as inflation much of it created, uh, not all of it, but much of it created by our own unwillingness to produce that which the world desperately needs as an alternative to the Iran's, the Russia's, the Venezuela's. Canada could and should step up to the plate, and I think uh, new leadership in this country, new leadership provincially, is going to push the idea that, uh, you know, while we have this argument, uh, and it has been almost unique to the extent that it has crowded out everything else about climate and the need to uh, to triple down on, on renewables, there has to be a, a sense of, of reality, I think, pervading the minds of Canadians. And I think that's going to lead to a, a tectonic uh, shift in public opinion uh, to the point where people are going to say, let's get real. I mean, you cannot go down this road of, uh, uh, you know, wishing for ideas that really uh, have a basis more in magic and make-believe than they do in, in fundamental uh, of, of being able to meet our obligations. And the world has become less secure. Energy independence has a lot to do with it. I think Canadians are going to be far more receptive to this. And I think we need to start to canvas provinces like Quebec and British Columbia and ask the citizens, not the elites, not those mm -hmm. in the middle who get paid uh, to to uh, uh, come out with their little polls, saying what they believe the public is saying, and, and, and ask the simple question, should we be building pipelines and infrastructure of oil and natural gas, and I think the overwhelming number of Canadians will be emphatically in favour. Those who are not haven't been subject to the kind of uh, uh, you know inflation that we've seen caused by the fact that the Canadian dollar is so badly devalued, caused by you know uh, a rapid rise in the cost of energy, making uh, oil billionaires overnight by simply making scarcity where it once didn't exist. 
Now, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying here, but you know, when I'm thinking back to 2012, 2011, when the original discussion over liquefied natural gas, and this is, uh, you know, this this is the one product, um, we were ahead of the United States in regards to our discourse and our conversation. Since then, we have got one project approved. Many projects have fallen by the wayside. Uh, we're still having this conversation here, but I said, like I said, it took five years for this project, the one in British Columbia I'm talking about here, the biggest LNG facility that's going to be built in this country, took five years from getting it started to getting the buy-in from and, and the consultation that's required to do so. In that time, the United States has built more LNG facilities. They've caught up with Canada. They have now, I would argue, lapped Canada a couple of times. They, the facilities that they were uh, hoping to build, they built. They are planning more now moving forward. And yeah. the ones that they already built, they are expanding those very yeah. facilities. My argument, uh, my question to you is, isn't it already too late to now say, wait a minute, we're back in the conventional fuel fuel business when we spent basically a decade, maybe 15 years, shooting ourselves in the foot and telling the world, A, uh, we can't make up our mind. B, this is not a great country to do business because even if we promise you to do all this, there's going to be protests. You're going to get locked up in, uh, in courts for years, fighting lawyers. Nothing gets done in Canada. We oppose everything. We fight for everything. Um, do you, my, my concern is, and maybe this is just mine, isn't it already too late uh, for us to now say, hey, look at Canada over here. We can help you uh, with natural gas and oil and stuff that you don't want to buy from Putin anymore. Or is it too late? Well, the only way in which we can be of any help on the next will be to sell our natural gas to buy it to the United States. The United States liquefies it, goes to that process, and then sends it to wherever. Uh, we yes, we're too late. We're well beyond too late. Uh, but that was by design. That wasn't because you know every time Dick and Harry had to be looked after. It's that Canada has taken the position, uh, much as its uh, its minister who was once environment, now of course minister of natural resources, you know, believes he can speak from both sides sides of his mouth, uh, and telling people that it's not a problem. You can definitely go out and uh, you know we can create all this liquefied natural gas. Not telling people, of course, that that's a we're an importer, not an exporter of LNG. I mean, that really creates, I think, uh, you know, an opposition in in, ID, in in our position. That is to say, uh, on the one hand, we want to uh, do these wonderful things for the world, but we're not going to tell the world that we've been really busy for the past 10 years finding cute, trendy, sneaky ways to, uh, to short-end, to up-end, to divest from, to regulate, uh, to ensure no pipeline gets built, to vandalize pipelines, to allow and what appears to be, um, at first brush, you talked about the coastal gas link, uh, willingness to turn a blind eye to absolute domestic terrorism when it comes to energy infrastructure. We have lost our way in this country, and I think Canadians realize it. I think that uh, for the rest of the world, it's rather embarrassing for us to have to say, well, we can get it to you, but we have to build our pipelines, ask our American friends to then accept our natural gas, not that they can't do their own, and then process that uh, through LNG, and we'll send it to you that way. How's that? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, we, we've not only we, we've we've lost the uh, we've lost the uh, the the ability to get some of the largest provable reserves brought to market, and uh, we've done that because we've bent over backwards the Canadian way. But Canadians are now going to pay for it. And I, I look, Jazz, every single day when I do the calculations on energy, I have mm-hmm. to look at the weakness in the Canadian dollar. It is appalling that it takes a dollar twenty-eight to buy a U.S. dollar. That is adding, contributing significantly to our cost of living, and one of the main reasons why no one wants to do business in Canada. If you don't think it's an issue, wait till your you know, uh, investments in this country continue to drain away uh, while the rest of the world uh, moves ahead. 
if you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 